Welcome to show number one of the Hustle and Pivot podcast. And I know what you're thinking. Are you out of your flipping mind launching a podcast when everybody else is trying to launch one because we're all at home in our bunkers with nothing else to do? Well, maybe I am, but here's the USP, the unique selling point. I have been extremely lucky over the course of my life to work with celebrities, experts, entrepreneurs, and the one thread that connects them all, they have to hustle and they have to pivot in order to achieve success. And what do I mean by a hustle and a pivot? It means that success never comes in a straight line. It's a road filled with twists and turns and sharp edges and an unwavering drive to achieve a goal. So after that sportscaster explanation, I'm gonna pivot. As we speak, we're in the middle of COVID-19. No one wants to hear about the entrepreneurial spirit yet, and you're right. So that's why I've had to pivot. And maybe a rah-rah hustle and pivot story isn't quite appropriate. So before I introduce our first guest, let me tell you a little bit about me. I'm Timothy Troke, and I've been in the entertainment business for around 25 years. On the production side, producing television, digital, and now podcasting. And I've also been on the management side, where we've represented celebrities, CIA agents, uh, farmers, chefs. Name the profession, we've represented them. So I think the perfect tonic for show number one is Vera Gibbons. You'll know Vera from Fox News and Fox Business. She was also a regular on the Today Show. Vera currently runs her own newsletter called NOPO. Now, I am a subscriber, and I read it every single day. NOPO stands for Non-Political News, and it's a great newsletter. You should definitely subscribe. But the reason why I wanted to have her on was Vera is probably America's foremost personal finance expert. And I really felt that a little Vera would go a long way right about now. I have known you for a long time, and and when I first got to know you, I was a producer, and we had a mutual agent at the time who brought us together, and I had an idea for uh, a TV show called The Fiscal Cliff. Your bio had like a whole bunch of interesting stuff in it, but what stood out to me was not only working with Fox News, but was a a tiny little article that you owned an apartment uh, that was also owned by Walter Cronkite. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that really stuck out, you know, with me. And I thought, I, you know, in all the years that I've known you, I've actually never asked you about it. You haven't asked me about that? I have never asked you about it. I don't know why, but we've never really, or I don't remember the conversation uh, that we had about it. That was my big purchase several years ago. I, the whole reason I bought the apartment was because he owned it. <laughs> I just wanted, I wanted his apartment. I mean, that was... The only reason, and other than the fact that it also had beautiful views and the location was good, but realistically, I wanted, I wanted him to come to my Christmas party. And that was, I used that as a negotiating tool in the final, final hours of the sale. I said, I will give him what he wants for this apartment if he comes to my Christmas party. And he and did. We shook on it back. Now you can't shake hands, but we shook on it back then. And he came to my Christmas party and mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Do you still own the apartment? I sold it. I, I have bought and sold five different apartments in New York City. I mean, the market has been ridiculous. Uh, so I've, I've done well with real estate there. I, I kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now I'm in a little studio in on the Upper East Side, just because I'm not sure what's going to happen with the real estate market there, particularly now very confusing times. Well, yeah, now is a very confusing time. Who knows where the market's going to be? 
who knows? It's a big guessing game. I, I would imagine there's going to be a wave of foreclosures, defaults. I mean, you can already see sort of the writing on the wall. Uh, you know, we're, I'm down in Florida now, and there's still construction going on on some of these big houses, but I can almost guarantee next year this time it's going to look a whole lot different. Uh, you've had two newsletter titles this week with the word Zoom in them, and we're using Zoom right now to record this podcast. Zoom is where the action is. I think today, no, yesterday's headline was Zoom economy <laughs> because right. that seems to be where we're going. All this Zooming and people are doing special backdrops and everybody's at home now. The whole work from home thing is where the action is for the foreseeable future. So it'd be interesting to see sort of how this all plays out with just the traditional office and whether we actually need all that office space. What's going to happen to WeWork? What's going to happen to all those shared office arrangements? What's going to happen to that that all women's group that has the, the work share thing going on? So I think Zoom is where the action is. All the at-home activity, the Peloton is where the action is. All the fitness, of course, has been moved indoors. Digital fitness, personal trainers are out, hairdressers are out restaurants, bartenders. I mean, it's just these detrimental effects from this unbelievable virus. Yeah, unbelievable. absolutely. Absolutely. But I feel like shared office space, uh, some of those shared uh, parts of the economy, I think will continue on because if we realize that we only need a little bit of space and yet we just need to meet at places uh, to conduct business, that maybe shared office space might grow. Oh, that's interesting. It's really, yeah, it's really difficult to see how this is really going to pan out. Um, I think initially we're going to, you know, keep the social distancing going for the foreseeable future. First, we have to figure out, you know, what this is and how to stop it and the medications and all this. And then we will see how it all plays out. I think initially we're going to see, you know, more continuation of the mass layoffs and the bars and hotels and the restaurants going under and a lot of people flat out on their back and we will see people defaulting on their loans and we will see people can't afford the rent, can't afford the mortgage, can't afford the car payments, all sorts of problems that who would have believed would have actually, no one would have believed this would have actually happened. I mean, based on where we were just maybe a month ago, three or four weeks ago, the economy was humming along, unemployment rate was nice and low. Now we're looking potentially at an unemployment rate of you know 30%. That's the estimate I'm hearing, so. Yeah, but doesn't that show that the economy maybe wasn't as strong as we thought? Possibly, possibly. I mean, I know there are some economists who have been saying the recession's coming, the recession's coming because they had seen sort of what was going on, particularly with the consumer spending as it pertains to the retail environment and a bunch of di other different industries. So I think there was a lot of talk that the recession was coming and the naysayers were saying, how is that possible? People are still spending money the hotels, the restaurants, the bars, everything's packed. The planes are going out at full capacity. Um, so the people that called it early on, obviously they're right. No one could have predicted that something of this magnitude would have hit us. And obviously we were unprepared. So let's just dive into NOPO for a sec. What was the impetus for NOPO or non-political news? The whole reason I started non-political news, uh, it, which is a daily newsletter, non-political newsletter, goes out Monday through Thursday, was because I was really sick of the hostile political environment. People were fighting, relationships were blowing up. Every time I went to a party, somebody was lassoing me and talking politics. And I thought, isn't there something else we could be talking about other than politics? 
the whole news cycle was dominated by politics and nobody wanted anybody on unless they were going to go on to talk about the latest tweet from Trump, pro-Trump, anti-Trump. I'm not politics. I don't like politics. I don't enjoy talking about politics. I'm, I'm a personal finance consumer expert, as you know. So mm-hmm. for me to actually get on the air during those extremely political times was near impossible. So I just started you know, putting stuff on Facebook, um, non-political news stories that I thought were interesting. And people kept saying, you should start a blog, you should start a newsletter. One thing led to the next. I started the newsletter, NOFO, and now the joke's on me because I have all these subscribers from all over the world. People open it every day. They find it addictive, a nice break from the political news cycle. And it's interesting now in the coronavirus times, more people are opening it. It's, it's actually, open rate has actually gone up. So I think because I'm putting a spin on the consumer stories that are affecting our daily lives as it pertains to health and wellness, fashion, beauty, fitness, diet, and just our wallets. It's really resonating, maybe even more so than it was a couple of months ago. I think you're right. I think that I've looked forward to it, you know, every day that every day this week that I've been shut in this little room. Uh, (laughs) It's been like a little bit of a bright spot. You point us two great, interesting stories that are a bit of a relief uh, in the this political or now scientific world that we're living in, that we're understanding more about science than maybe any of us ever wanted to learn. Uh, and so it's a nice respite from that. Yes. What, so my mission hasn't, t- t- you know, veered too much off track. It's just that nobody predicted this virus was coming, obviously. So, But I've had to I mean, I sort of stuck to the plan and keeping politics out of the newsletter and just including need to know, nice to know, and who knew types of stories within their respective categories, consumer, personal finance, health and wellness, fashion, beauty, and fitness and diet. So I try to include sort of the need to know, which would be like, you know, like, you know, the, the, all sorts of stuff about the coronavirus, but the fun stuff would be um, as it pertains to like some new product or some new fitness tool that's coming out or some new diet that's helping people lose a gazillion pounds while they're <laughs> landlocked and in quarantine. <laughs> so there's all sorts of different angles I can play with. And uh, I'm having some fun with it. It gives me, I'm landlocked too. I mean, I'm, I'm quarantined and um, I'm not going anywhere. So this keeps me busy. So you're in Florida. Whereabouts in Florida are you? I'm down in Palm Beach where the weather is beautiful, but you wouldn't even really enjoy it given the, uh, the climate at the moment. It's, it's a little rough going. It's very isolating. It's a little nerve wracking. It's uh, very tough times for, for all of us, for the world. Let me just ask you one more thing about, about NOPO. So what's the future for NOPO? Where do you see it going and how do you see its, what's its growth strategy? Then how do you plan on on taking the next step? Well, we have had several different offers from different people to acquire it. We're seriously considering one offer and that may actually go through. Um, But my initial intention was to sort of not pawn it off, but take it to like a news media entity like a Vox Media or a Hearst and have them take me along with the newsletter and do it for them because they have the platform and they have the marketing wherewithal and they have all the the tools that I don't have. I'm very good at content and I'm very good at identifying a good news story and I'm good on the air, but the rest of the stuff, eh, not so good at. So my initial intention was, why don't I build it, take it to one of these guys, see if they will acquire it, and then I go work for them. 
Uh, the other option, of course, would be to go out and raise a ton of money and invest in the proper staff and all that. That's a more treacherous proposition, and particularly now, given the, the climate. I mean, what, what's going to happen to the fundraising environment? You know, it's going to pretty much dry up for the foreseeable future, for the interim anyway. So I'm, I'm seriously considering offer one, which is not from a news media entity, but it is from an organization that would you know, uh, give me equity in, in the new company, uh, some cash, and uh, a, a decent home for NOPO, even though the, the, the format and everything would change, which kind of breaks my heart and, and makes me a little upset because I do have a, an emotional attachment to NOPO. But sure. at, this, at this point, and given where we are um, economically and what's potentially ahead, I'm thinking more seriously about this offer. Well, I think I think strategically you're you're better off. You're better off to use somebody else's money, first of all, um, and and hoard and hoard cash. That's where we're going in this in this climate. So let's talk about personal finance as you see it right now. It probably would be a completely different answer than you would have given me three weeks ago. But if you're looking down the road and someone's sitting at home and they're looking at their pocketbook and they're saying, "What should I do with my money?" What are the top, you know, three or four things that people should be looking at right now that maybe have changed over the last little while? Well, first and foremost, right now you need to establish an emergency fund if you don't already have one or you need to add to it. Uh, a lot of Americans do not have that emergency fund. They don't have two weeks living expenses, let alone six months or nine months or 12 months. So the emergency fund is extremely important. A budget has never been more important. You need to know what's coming in the door, what's going out the door, and you really need to cut back on your discretionary spending. I mean, separate your needs from your wants and figure out exactly what you need now and put the wants on hold for the foreseeable future. And the third, third, third thing I would say would be to go back and take a look at your portfolio just to make sure you are properly allocated, you've got the right mix of stocks, bonds, cash, you're comfortable with it. You can assume that the level of risk you're comfortable with. Uh, you don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction to these volatile markets and sell everything or panic. I mean, that doesn't do anybody any good. But you do want to make sure, and you should do this a couple times a year anyway, just to make sure you're properly diversified and you have the right mix based on your risk tolerance and what you want to do with your money and what your plans are. If you're close to retirement, you know, obviously you want to be more in cash than you are in stocks. And uh, I'm sure people who are very close to retirement age are probably a little nervous now, um, given the, given what's going on and the volatility that we're seeing. Well, that's that's a really good point. So let's say, for instance, you are close to retirement age, and you had a lot of money in your portfolio, and you were banking on on those stocks performing and cashing out at some point, so that you could retire. So let's say that has gone out the window. I, I assume you're telling people to hold the you know, stay the course or are you advising yes, people yes, maybe yes. to yeah. say, well, take as much cash as you can and then wait for the market to come back and buy back in? I would say stay the course. I know I've heard different uh, financial experts on CNBC and the business networks, Fox Business and some of the others, you know, say this is a, you know, they're nibbling at stocks or getting in, they're buying good quality stocks with dividends and this and that. And oh, now's the time to buy, you know, Microsoft and Netflix and Amazon and I don't know. For the average person, I wouldn't say jump right back in there. Uh, I would just say stay the course. Make sure you have a, a good plan. Call your financial planner or your advisor and make sure you are on track. People probably have already done this, but 
if you haven't, uh, <laughs> now would be a good time to check in with them. Uh, you know, the, the markets are down, what, 30 some odd percent. Um, so it's, it's pretty rough out there. But we do know that the market comes up. Uh, it came up after 9-11. It came up after the 2008 crisis. Not that I'm comparing this to either one of those. And in fact, this is probably worse than, than these, those other events combined. But you've got to be patient. And with the market does come a lot of volatility, ups and downs. So right now, it's, it's a little wonky and will be, I think, until there's a slam dunk cure of some sort or a drug, a miracle drug that works. I mean, the Fed can only do so much pumping money into the system. And it's just a different environment. There's real, really no, no, no playbook for this. So it's uh, wait and see for, for everybody. So when we first started working together, we were working on a show called The Fiscal Cliff. And that was really essentially where you were a financial nanny. And you would go in and rearrange somebody's finances, give them a kick in the ass that they needed, and you know, and, and really get their finance, financial crap together. If we look at now, when they can't afford or they can't have you come in and get help them with that, what are your suggestions of the top three things that you would have them do as a financial nanny? And by the way, anybody out there in TV land, that show is still available. The IP is ready to go, and Vera is ready to star in it. I think a crisis like this forces you to get things into order. It's like, how does enforces discipline? It's like someone who's been putting off dieting and this, that, then they, oh, they got diabetes or oh, one of their kids comes up and says, dad, I really want you to be around in the next 10 years. Boom. There's your incentive. Right. The same with this. Like you have an incentive right in your face, this crisis, this pandemic, which is forcing everybody to rethink everything from relationships to personal finances. Just by default, families are, uh, they're, they're obviously staying in, so they're cooking more at home, and that's saving a lot of money. They can't go to the restaurants, and they can't go to the bars. They're also saving on the gyms, gyms memberships because they can't go to the gyms. A lot of online fitness um, classes are free, or they're, they're extending their subscriptions to new people. You know, maybe they've gone from four weeks to six weeks. Maybe they've gone to eight weeks. Streaming services, uh, a lot of those are letting you do a try before you buy type of thing. So that's helpful. Um, if you do have credit card debt, which is the most damaging kind of debt, some of these credit card companies are waiving uh, interest interest for a month or two, or they're trying to help you out in some capacity. Um, but yeah, there's, there's all sorts of things that have basically changed the, the landscape. And I, I do feel that everything from the fitness companies to the banks to the mortgage lenders, they're trying to help consumers any way they can too because it's, it's rough all around. Price of gas has dropped dramatically, but nobody's buying it. So it doesn't matter how low it is. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know. I, yeah, that's a good point. I heard <laughs> gas prices could drop to, you know, down to a dollar a gallon. Right. A dollar yeah. a gallon in some markets, but yeah, nobody's traveling. Nobody's going anywhere. So yeah, you can't take advantage of it. It's like, well, okay, great. I'd like to do a road trip. Well, we can't, we can't nope. go anywhere. We're, nope. we're confined. Nope. Um, it's just like, you know, Oh, the airfare, everything's everything, everything, all the prices are down and nobody can, nobody, nobody can do anything. They're just staying at home and. Try I'm going to get you to keep your financial nanny hat on here for just a second. Um, you touched on Peloton before. 
as a financial nanny, would you recommend Peloton to any of your clients? Is that something that people should be investing in or should they be looking at lower cost options? Do you see value in there? Uh, hmm. That's a good question because I know people are really, the people who do have the Peloton bikes love them. They're addicted to them and they do use them all the time. So they're probably getting their money's worth. The problem I have with the Peloton bike, not only because it is expensive, you get the upfront, you got to buy the bike and then you get to do the subscription is a lot of people just buy them thinking they're going to use them and then they don't. So for example, my friend uh, who's in quarantine, like right before this, uh, this happened, the coronavirus, she went and bought a Peloton and she bought a treadmill both. And I said, well, that's great, but you got to use them. (laughs) So she's like, I'm all set. I've got my Peloton and I've got my treadmill. So she spent, you know, thousands of dollars uh, to have these in her home, but you got to use them. So yes, there's obviously a lot less expensive options out there, but right now those options are, you know, like the at-home fitness stuff and the the streaming classes and people will probably take advantage of that. More people are also outside exercising, biking and walking and hiking. And I guess for now that that's, that's safe to do. Right. So that's good. And that's perfect. That's free. That's free. Bike, hike, walk, go outside, get a little fresh air, clears your head and doesn't cost a penny. All right. So let's just put your futurist hat on just for a second. I know you study the markets. If if I had some extra cash and I didn't have any debt, where are you thinking about putting money or where would you advise somebody to look at putting money right now in this turbulent time? The I would focus in on the at-home types of stocks, such as the Zooms and the Pelotons and the Amazons and the Netflix and the Dominoes and the Costcos. And um, the, that's, that's sort of where the activity is going to be the next several months, I would imagine, the virtual mm-hmm. uh, virtual stuff. That, that's super hot. Telemedicine is also very hot. Telemedicine was hot before this all happened, but now it's, it's even hotter. Would you put WebMD in that telemedicine category? I think they'd be in that bucket, right? Right. I would. I would think so. But what? What? What else is in that bucket? Um. Well, hmm, that's it's so like okay. So you get the the at home fitness companies. What's What's not in that bucket would be like the Planet Fitness <laughs> stocks right. of the world. That one's tanking. Anything that involves a lot of people and group activities, I would obviously steer away from. But I think that, yes, the virtual companies, the ones that help make your life a little easier, Microsoft uh, would be another good one. Facebook probably because everyone's using the, the app. The, the, um, their app has seen like a huge number of downloads, the Messenger app. And um, that's where I would imagine the action is going to be mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, if I had to look into my crystal ball, as we watch sort of what, what's going on around us um, sort of falter, and that would be the big shopping malls and the, the big uh, amusement parks. And I don't know really what's going to happen to all of that, the Disney's of the world. And it'd be interesting to see sort of how they, how they weather this economic storm and mm-hmm. how they come out and how they change protocol. And well, I'll tell of, you a lot of unknowns. 
my conversations with networks, uh, you know, be, because the other part of my business is, is dealing with, with uh, cable and television networks in, in the United States um, for some of our clients and for also for production on, on various different projects. And no one knows what to buy right now. And no one knows if they can buy. It's a really interesting time. <clears throat> and I wonder about the future of entertainment because what we're, what's hamstringing us is we can't get out and make it. Uh, so we're actually having to try and figure out how can we make entertainment at home that's still of good quality, that quality enough that people right. will actually tune in and watch it. I mean, there's very little of it that you can make uh, at home other than a podcast. I mean, that's why you and I, you and I are both able to do this you know, podcast and hopefully somebody listens to it and finds it entertaining, but they will be listening to it at home. We made it at home, which is which is fantastic, but you can't sit down and watch. You're not going to sit down and listen to this with a bucket of popcorn and a and a you know a, a nice candy bar. Uh, and maybe a, <laughs> people and maybe are eating comfort foods. <laughs> people are at home eating their comfort foods. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And a, a scotch. You're not. And they're drinking to a lot too. They're drinking and they're eating and oh my! It's, it, I think we're going to come out like fatter and more stressed out and I don't know. Well, oddly enough, because I've been quarantined, I've been eating. I noticed I've actually dropped weight because my wife and my and my daughters have been governing my food intake because I can't go to the kitchen and get it. So I noticed I've lost, actually lost weight. You know, um, I think they're messing with me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yes. That's hilarious. But, you know, it's interesting to see if these shows do go to Zoom and whatnot, because like I know a lot of the daytime shot talk shows, uh, I know Tamron Hall and some of the other ones are doing just little Instagram shows and that's keeping everybody entertained because you still get your take of your, your favorite talk show host and they're just taking it to a different platform. So even like Jimmy Fallon is, I think he's got something he does on YouTube every night. Um, and they're, same they're, with Kimmel. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And Kimmel and I know Ellen DeGeneres is doing something. So they're all being, it's forcing us to be more creative than ever. I mean, I even think about like, what are those, all those fashion influencers going to do now? Because you can't be posting in exotic locations anymore and selling, <laughs> you know, like, so what's going to happen to all their sponsors? It's like, Oh, here I am in Dubai with my Birkin bag. And aren't you jealous? Can't do that. Well, you raise a good point. What's going to happen to the influencer economy? We actually had a client uh, two days ago, as a matter of fact, have a conversation with us about a book and a product launch that they wanted to go through. Um, and we were thinking about what influencers would help throw this book forward. And what we're wrestling with is finding techniques that seem authentic to our time right now, because the way we would do things now is completely different than what we would have done a month ago. That's funny. I had another company, a friend of mine who's launching a tequila company and they had a big marketing plan. They were going to be in all like banners on the Jitney buses going to the Hamptons and banners and cups. And it's like, uh, uh, nope. So they're having to re people are having to shell very expensive plans. Yeah, and I feel like real real experts are going to be the new influencers. Yes, right? you're going to yes. want to hear from a real expert on yeah. something, whether it be, you know, even if it's home building, car building, uh, a, a doctor, you know, someone like yourself who's a real expert at personal finance. You're never you're never going to be able to avoid Hollywood, but I really do believe that as an expert, now is the time to build that media brand. I think I may have a headline for tomorrow's Nopo. There you go. Thank Experts you are the new influencers. That's right. Excellent. You <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I might use that. <laughs> well, go right ahead.
Go right ahead. I'll have to credit you. Okay. Well, thanks very much. Okay. <laughs> well, Vera, thanks very much. This has been a really interesting conversation. Let's do it again. That sounds good. You should actually do your own podcast, by the way. Really? I know. Well, that is show number one of Hustle and Pivot done, dusted, and in the can. I'd like to thank my guest, Vera Gibbons. Don't forget to go subscribe to her newsletter at www.nonpoliticalnews.com. Please like and subscribe this podcast and tell your friends about it. It's executive produced by myself, Tim Troke, and Keith Samuels. It's a production of Frogwater Media, and the audio is from Audionautics. Our next episode is with Dr. Eric Fisher on how to survive COVID-19. Thanks very much.